Welcome to the Sound Advice Podcast. We are Citizens Advice North East Derbyshire. We focus on providing advice for people within the North East Derbyshire and Bolsover district and want to do just that with our podcast. Enjoy! Hello, as ever, I'm Ben. I'm joined by Chelsea and Holly this week. And today, the theme is by popular demand, talking about student renting and renting in general, issues that you might have been facing during lockdown and any other issues arising from it. I'm just going to ask Chelsea and Holly to tell us first, because they are the current students, they're the experts in living in student accommodation, what their situations are, and we'll go from there. Well, I live in private housing, and we've actually been really lucky, because I live with three other people, and we've actually been really lucky with our landlord, because he's been literally the nicest person ever he's been so helpful and i can't say we've ever had any issues with him so yeah and you've been able to stay in the property while you've been in lockdown yeah he's allowed to do that and he even did for the summer when we couldn't because we went home for the first lockdown so during that first summer he gave us half price rent which i thought was really nice for him i'd never i hadn't heard of many other people who'd been able to get that from their landlord no it sounds like it's still a good deal for you doesn't it yeah he'd been really nice holly you were shaking your head there I take it that you've not had such an experience. No, so I'm in private rented as well. So I live with two others of my friends as well. But we sort of, we've contacted our landlord about, you know, having reduced rent during the lockdown periods where we've not been able to be at the property. But we've had not similar luck as Chelsea. He's not really even engaged in conversation about reducing the rent. And we've still been having like, you know, general leaks, things like that, that have been taking quite a while to be resolved. So I've not had quite as nice as it experiences she has have you talked to your landlord about those issues is it just that you've not got anywhere you say wasn't really responsive so it's through like an agent and they've just sort of said well there's nothing we can do about it and obviously the government haven't changed the guidance they've still said like students have got to pay the rent when they're in private landlords my university they've said that they could try to contact the landlords and sort of try and work out like a fairer deal but as yet nothing like that's happened so you're still waiting to see what does come from it yeah basically from that it might be worth mentioning the government have set up some money it's accessible via universities the government set up a fund a hardship fund for people who find themselves in these sorts of situations so if you've not already it might be worth you approaching your university to see if they are able to help you with the rent but it is for those in hardship so really you'd have to be looking at whether or not you were struggling to pay the rent because of the situation that we find ourselves in rather than just not being able to get into the property but it's worth considering Yeah, it's funny you should say that, actually, because we have contacted the uni and I think our rent for the entire year has cost, I think, about £5,000 and we've applied for the hardship fund and you get £400 each with that. So there is quite a difference in the, you know, what it's actually cost compared to what the universities are giving out. That's a one-off payment of £400, is it? Yeah. I didn't even know they were doing that kind of funding. So It's a £50 million fund to support those students that have been affected by the coronavirus and not being able to get into the accommodation or having lost sources of income but it is administered by universities so it's unfortunately there's no broad view on how applications can be treated so the universities will have their own policies about criteria for making applications and awards for it 400 pound is still better than nothing but like holly says when the rent for a year is five thousand for a property that you've not really been able to get into for much of that year you've still lost a considerable amount of money haven't you yeah. But yeah, it is there and it is worth considering if you are finding that you're in difficulty just to cover in the short term, if nothing else. 
unlike me, a lot of people have had a lot of issues with their landlord, both students and just normal renters, I suppose. Yeah. What advice could you provide to people who are having these kind of issues? What sort of issues do you mean, for starters? <laughs> we see the whole range of problems with landlords, from Holly mentioned having leaks and things like that. Is that with utilities or is that in the roof or so we've had a leak under the sink and then we've had like the power's gone out on quite a few occasions like in the whole apartment and then just recently we had well we did go back to the property in january i think and when we got back there was no wi-fi so we didn't have any wi-fi for about three weeks and it took them obviously three weeks to actually rectify it and then we got 17 pounds back each which is obviously not much considering the issues that is caused with us being students as well is your wi-fi included in your rental price it's all one package no so we've had to so the bills are 86 pounds a month and we paid extra for higher speed wi-fi so that's 80 pounds a month on top of five thousand for the year and you paid that to the landlord yeah it's to the company and then obviously the landlord gets it i imagine yeah unless the letting agents fees and things landlords have duties to tenants just because you're students doesn't mean that you've got fewer rights than everybody else so whether you're a private tenant who is in work or out of work or an adult or a student landlords have still got to make sure that the properties that they're letting out are fit for human habitation they've still got to make sure that they meet safety standards and they still have a duty to meet their contractual obligations to you so if part of the contract that you've got with them is that you will have wi-fi of a certain speed they've got a contractual obligation to make sure that you have that wi-fi if you've paid out a certain amount of money for it and you've not had it you will be able to make a complaint to your landlord you can do that and it sounds like you already have done but it's the time that it's taken them to respond to it as to what compensation you could get for an issue like the wi-fi i suppose it's more difficult to manage because of the cost did they work out how they would pay you 17 pounds each they didn't really say that. They just emailed my flatmate and just said it would be £17.82, I think, each. And then we just got that the next day. But they didn't say how they'd worked it out or anything. It might be worth asking how they have worked it out if you think it's too little. Because obviously it does have other impacts on your work. You had a reasonable expectation that you would, especially during lockdown, that you'd be able to rely on that Wi-Fi for your work and for your university studies. So it might be worth looking again at asking for a bit more consideration from them. If you've got leaks... Depending on what sort of leaks they are, your landlord may be the one who is responsible for dealing with that sort of thing. So they are responsible for the upkeep of the fabric of the building, walls, roofs, and also the utilities such as any central heating and the, the internal plumbing. So they're the ones who, again, who are responsible to make sure that your sinks are plumbed in properly. And if there are problems with leaks from that, it's those that you have to contact to get that put right. What's reasonable and how quickly should they do that is is anybody's guess. It's a question of priority I think because landlords will in many cases they'll have different properties there are obviously restrictions on who can go in and out of people's houses at the moment because of the coronavirus so if you've got a leak under your sink which you can put a bucket under and tip away every now and again it's not necessarily as much of an issue as someone whose boiler's broken down and they've got no heating or hot water so you might look at it in terms of saying well what other priorities has the landlord got on but that doesn't mean that they've still not got to put that problem right and if they haven't you might want to start making the complaint and saying well this hasn't
hasn't been fixed it's still not been fixed we've recorded it with you what are you going to do how are you going to put us in a better situation so it's worth keeping that dialogue open with your landlord what would you say if the landlord just completely ignores you and won't won't listen to your requests of you know fixing something record everything so record how you contact when you contact them so if you're putting these requests in by text or by email keep them if you're making phone calls to them write down what you've said and what they've said if they've said anything when it was said so that you can show that you've gone some way to trying to address the problem if you are a private tenant and you still don't get anything done ultimately you can go to court to get the court to order landlords to put problems right i have to add the big caveat and say potentially landlords could evict you they could do a retaliation eviction if you put a complaint in about the standard of the property and the failure to do repair work there are protections from those sorts of evictions but if you're facing that situation i definitely urge you to get advice from citizens advice from a law center from a housing charity you can get in touch with your local authority so the council who will have an environmental health department so if there are problems with damp if there are problems with faulty gas appliances the local authority with the people to get in touch with if your landlord doesn't do anything they can enforce landlords to take action so that's somewhere else to go if you don't get any joy from talking to your landlord directly. What would you say is some advice for students that are in the high risk categories for coronavirus and they can't go to their property for that reason? In terms of what, sorry, so you're thinking of if they, if they're at home shielding and they've got a rented property for student accommodation. Yeah, so obviously they can't go because of their health, but the property is still there for them to use. They are liable to pay any rent, even though they can't actually get to the property. University accommodation, so if you're in halls of residence, they may have a different view. They may, it's worth talking to university halls of residence and universities have been, I think, more flexible in terms of discounting or giving refunds to students who can't get to the accommodation because of the restrictions that are in place, because they owe a duty of care to you as students and tenants as well. Landlords, private landlords, aren't under the same sorts of obligations. As far as they're concerned, they've got a contract with you and it's not their fault that you can't get to the property you might say well it's not entirely fair it's not no one's created this situation which is true but on the other hand in a lot of cases they are running a business or whether you think that morally that's right or not that's a discussion for another time a long discussion for another time but they also are in the situation that's not of anybody else's making they thought they were going to get the income from the rent and they can't say whether or not you are going to be able to get to the property so in terms of the rent be aware that you are still liable for it do consider whether or not we've talked about the help that you might be able to get from the university check with them whether there's any hardship grants available check whether there are any benefits that you might be able to claim to support you during the time that you're not able to get to university to get your property check as well whether you've got a right to sublet the property you could come to an agreement with the landlord that someone else could take on your share of the tenancy if you're not intended to be there for the rest of the year if you think it's likely to last might be able to find somebody else to take it on and take the rent burden from you. So it's about talking to the landlord and exploring all your options, really. Usually, though, there are clauses that prohibit subletting, but your landlord might, if they're a humane landlord like Chelsea's, be willing to consider other options to reduce the burden on you. So it's worth asking. I recently heard a story from one of my friends about their rented, their private rented housing, and they found that their landlord was like tampering with their heating and their wife to basically make the bills cheaper what do you mean tampering like he just randomly like cut their heating off 
or their electric off or cut their wi-fi off for like a day or two just to make the bills cheaper how were they doing that is it the heating was on a wireless system or Uh, i'm not sure to be honest i don't know that bit of it but what could what could be done in that sense because i've never heard of anything well you've you've got no i am and it's and no doubt that it's going on i don't understand why a landlord would do that if the tenants were paying for the the heat and things like that and it's not in their interest to switch the heating off because it might have knock-on effects for causing damp in the property if you can't heat it properly especially during winter you've got windows closed and you're in the shower you've got condensation building up it's obviously going to damage the property you have got a right to what's called quiet enjoyment of a property while you're in it so that means that your landlord should leave you to enjoy your use of the property because you've agreed with them that you'll live there so that takes account of if they do inspections which they've got a right to do they should only do that with former agreement of you so they should tell you when they're going to do it i would say that that comes under that besides any potential health and safety issues if they tamper with the central heating systems so if they've got evidence that this has been done and they're not it's no other tenant in the house that switched it off it's not a war of roommates is it that's going on <laughs> i don't think so no. <laughs> it's not that somebody turns the thermostat up and then somebody else is too hot <laughs> if they think that the landlord is doing it i would contact them and say look this is unacceptable we have got a right of quiet enjoyment to the property and then stopping that is essentially a breach of the contract so they might have rights then to terminate the contract early if they wanted to or claim some compensation from the landlord but it's worth checking what exactly your tenancy agreement says about quiet enjoyment and what your landlord should and shouldn't be doing okay unacceptable as far as I can see from what you've just told me yeah definitely unbelievable as well I know when they told me I was like you're joking right (laughs) (laughs) and they weren't no no unfortunately not so how can students budget effectively at university during the pandemic when say a lot of them may have been laid off from pubs bars things like that obviously you've got the student maintenance loan the furlough scheme if it's applicable to people who have been in work and maybe receiving income from that but obviously it will be reduced the best way to budget and if you listen to our debt podcast a few weeks ago would be to get an idea of what you've got coming in and going out making a list of everything trying to identify what's not so essential and cutting that out so if you've got subscriptions obviously gym memberships you can't have done anything with for a while now i know they're going to start reopening and it might be worth considering whether it's an essential while you've got no income coming in having a look around to see if you are entitled to any benefits seeing whether or not you can find alternative employment often easier said than done but that is a way of making sure that you've got some extra income checking whether or not you're entitled to any bursaries grants from the university and the hardship fund that we've touched on already would be a way of getting the extra income but with student finances they're often low anyway so it's really got to be a matter of tightening up on the budget and unfortunately that might mean cutting out on what you consider luxuries i'm not telling you what you should cut out of your budget but it will come down to what is essential for me while i've got the reduced income as opposed to what is just something that I enjoy but really I could do without. You've had the reduction in income but at the same time I suppose there's been less opportunities for going out socialising. That might be coming back in a bit when pub gardens open so consider your expenditure on that. I think it really has to be setting down what you've got coming in over the course of a month, a year, how much you've got to spend over the course of a month, a week, a year. Break it down into manageable chunks for you so that you do know what's coming and going but again if you need help with any budget issues you can get in touch with citizens advice you can get in touch with local money charities and things like that to help with that no simple solution though unfortunately 
I suppose it's just about setting boundaries for yourself, isn't it? And what's a priority is. and what isn't. It is. It's about and discipline with yourself as well. And I'm not expert at that. No. I know what I've got coming in, what I need to get going out. But the stuff in between, it's a bit vague. So I'm not preaching to you to say this is what you must do. But I know that, yeah, definitely if I was in a situation where I knew I'd had a, a loss of income, I'd need to be looking at the bits of expenditure that I like spending the money on that. But really, I don't need to. Is that helpful? Do you think that is point worth making holly yeah i think so i think it's diff- it is difficult for students because i think a lot of like the sector of like going out pubs bars restaurants is dominated by students yeah and that's normally the kind where if you're not from the city you can keep the job like and go home and they'll be flexible because it's not a big company yeah so that flexibility of having a job like that has sort of been taken away from students that maybe don't live close to where they're studying that uni whereas with my job I've been able to keep it because I don't live too far away so I think I know that a lot of my other friends have really struggled with not being able to work in restaurants and places like that Mm. and obviously because of the situation there are not as many jobs as there were pre-coronavirus anyway. I suppose the the upside is the the light of the tunnel is gradually getting a bit brighter and closer pub gardens are starting to reopen and hopefully more hospitality venues and things will be opening so like you say it's a very student-based economy in university towns isn't it the restaurants and bars and things like that so hopefully that is going to bounce back quickly for students and give them that extra source of income just going back to more student housing is there anything that you would advise for a student when they're going to look for a house like signs to you know avoid that property or anything like that red flags yeah same as you would advise anyone who's looking for any sort of buying or renting property check the walls for starters make sure there's no damp if you don't know what you're looking for you're smelling for a musty smell you're looking for any dark patches on walls signs that there's perhaps been replastering any black mold that's in the bathroom in any walls behind radiators so don't be afraid to check because essentially you're making a considerable outlay on the property i don't think the landlords would be offended if they are decent landlords and if they are offended that is probably in itself a red flag that they're not worth going and letting with following on from what we're saying to holly it is worth before you start the process of actually looking at properties look at your budget that you can set to look with the people that you're going to be sharing with say this is how much maintenance loan we get coming in we know that bills would be this much money we know that we'll need roughly this much for food how much does that leave us with over the course of a year for rent and then you know what your maximum budget is so don't be tempted to go over it because from what i was reading a lot of and i don't know whether this is in your experience as well but a lot of student accommodation has put alleged deals in so we'll say we'll give you what i was reading as well it surprised me some were saying that they would give a delivery of beer every month which you can understand will <laughs> appeal to some students it surprised me but that's going to reflected by an increase in your rent so you're not really getting that for free some say that they'll get shopping vouchers gift cards and things like that but all of that equates to a higher price do you really need a property that's got a high-end television have you got your own that you can use think about what you need from the accommodation as opposed to what being shown so do you want somewhere that you can just go back to after studying and use as a place to sleep or do you want somewhere that is going to be a home from home you can do your study and you can do your socializing there or are you going to go out to do it i mean at the moment nobody's going out to do anything like that but think about what you want from it what you need from it before you go into the looking check on whether or not you've got gas and electricity or just one or the other gas central heating is always better than electricity because it's cheaper in the long run than using electric heaters so 
think about how much your fuel bills are likely to be and what suits you best for things like cooking. Yeah, so when you're there, if you can find out if the tenants are in the, uh, the current tenants, ask them about the property, what they like about it, what they don't like. Ask them why they're leaving, for starters. If they're final year students, then it's fairly obvious that they're leaving because they've graduated. But if they're partway through a degree, is there some problem with the property or with the landlord that's making them want to leave? And that, again, should be an indication to you. And ask them, is the landlord all right? Do they get repairs done when you ask them to? Holly probably wouldn't give a good review to her landlord if somebody asked her that question, if they've not had the reviews, if they not had the repairs done. So those things are all worth checking. Check whether there's gas safety certificates, because if there's a gas supply, landlords have to have one every 12 months. Check whether there's good insulation, because otherwise you're going to be paying for heating the property. If there's a draft, if there's no double glazing, if the windows aren't sealing property, and it all increases how much you're going to pay on it. So really, it's got to be looking for everything and being aware of, of what you want and what you are going to get. But don't just jump into the first thing that you see because you like the looks of it or you feel pressured go away and think about it it's the best advice and take somebody else with you take a fellow yeah. student take the people you're going to rent with take a, a relative yeah that's really helpful because i know when i was looking i didn't really know what i was looking for i was just like oh yeah this one's nice let's move into this one so yeah that's really helpful if you're going to go with somebody who is not going to be living there they can see the property with an impartial eye as well can't they so you might fall in love with one feature of a property they might see the damp behind the chimney that you overlooked because you like the kitchen or you like the the dining room or whatever just with you mentioning damp as well what are the landlord's obligations with regards to damp are they still allowed to let out properties with damp or they are but it's not it's not the best situation it's not something that a landlord would want should want to do because it's obviously a sign of a problem in the property so as i said the landlord is responsible for making sure that the fabric of the building is in good repair and if there's damp it's a sign that there is something wrong in some cases damp might be caused by your activities as a tenant so for example if you're drying clothes inside without having windows open for ventilation you cause condensation which leads to damp so the advice there is to make sure that you uh, if you need to dry your clothes indoors keep a window open when you've been in the shower the bath or if you're cooking keep a window and an extractor fan on to get the steam out but if there's signs of damp that aren't caused by that the landlord definitely needs to be looking at it because they might it, long term it will have a structural impact on the property and it might have an impact on tenants health because obviously it can cause mold mold causes spores which might have a knock-on impact on your breathing and your physical health so they do have that that duty to rectify any mold issues so don't be afraid to look around and poke around at what's there and have a good smell at the property just talking about repairs actually how long should a tenant expect to have to wait before a repair done or depends on what's reasonable like i said before if it's if it's a small job like with a sink you've got a leak under it it might be a view that you could take it's reasonable to wait a bit longer for that because you can get on it's not stopping you using the sink unless it is a massive leak in which case it needs sorting sooner rather than later but i would say the more serious a problem the more it prevents you from properly having use of the property the more quickly they ought to deal with it a gas leak needs to be dealt with immediately a faulty boiler needs to be sorted out fairly quickly so it all depends on the problem that you've got but don't be afraid to talk to your landlord and raise any complaints if they're not dealing with it seriously so pin them down to this is the problem when are you going to fix it you have got to be flexible in case something else comes up but you would hope that if you've got that dialogue landlords are going to be fairly all right with telling you what they're doing and when they're doing it okay what advice can you give to students if they damage some 
something in the property, so like the carpet or paint. First advice would be to always take pictures when you move in of a property. So the moment you get there, take photos of what everything looks like before and take pictures when you move out so that you can compare if there were, if you saw that there was a hole in a wall when you moved in and it's still there when you've gone, you know that you've not caused it. It was there when you started the tenancy. If you have caused damage yourself and you know you've done it, so if you kick that hole in the wall, you're probably going to be looking at least at losing a deposit, which might have a knock-on effect on guarantors because student letting agencies require a guarantor, which is usually your parents. So they might be the ones who end up footing the bill if you can't for any problem that you've caused with the property. Some landlords might require you if you get a mess on the walls, they might require you to redecorate. If you redecorate yourself, they might want you to put it back into the original neutral colours. So it all depends on the nature of the problem and how forgiven your landlord is. But certainly you'd be looking at probably having to foot the bill for repair or replacement of any damage that you do cause while you're in or forfeiting a deposit that you've put down on it. Hopefully you're both good tenants. Of course, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to tell me any different, are you? Is there any way students can argue the point of not getting what they're paying for in terms of their tuition fee? Because the standard of education we're receiving is obviously nothing compared to what we're paying, basically. I think it depends on what your course is. You have got a right to complain. The government has said that universities can refund. But unfortunately, as we said, with the discretionary payments for tenants, student tenants, there's no hard and fast guidelines. There's no one size fits all solution that the government offered and you can understand that they don't want to put universities in that position because everyone will ask for a refund and essentially likely bankrupt universities. Universities obviously have still had staffing costs because although it's been online there have still been lessons taking place but I would say it definitely it's worth considering whether your course is something that is suitable to be adapted to remote learning. If for example you're doing an English literature course there's an argument that although it's a different standard of teaching you're not going to lose out massively if you're doing it remotely. If, for example, you're doing a practical physics course, you need to be in a lab, don't you? So if you can't get in the lab for that practical experience, then I'd say there's a greater argument that you might want to be getting in touch with the university to ask them to reimburse you some of the costs because the teaching standards haven't been there. But it is all up to what the university thinks is acceptable if you put the complaint in. But if you are in that situation, if you think that the standards of teaching in any of your courses has been below average, if you've been let down by the university you have got a right to put a complaint into them and ask them to consider a refund because you are consumers of the goods that they're selling which are the services at the end of the day even though it is education. Do you think that students should be allowed some leeway in marks to reflect the current situation and also the fact that a lot of students have been key workers during the pandemic but they've still had to undertake the same exams? You'll have to tell me how your exams are taking place. Are you doing them because I've seen bits about them being remote, but I don't know how that's going to work in practice. So you two being current students will know that better than I am. From my point of view, I would say everybody ought to be given a bit of leeway considering the year that we've been through and certainly last year we saw it with the GCSE and A-level examinations they were all put through on teacher say so so you would hope that universities are applying some discretion from your tutors to say that actually that was the examined result but these are the personal circumstances perhaps we ought to look again whether that will happen in the first instance or whether that will happen if you challenge a result I think it's more likely the latter so that they don't give themselves too much work to do when they're marking 
taking exams in the first place. I would certainly be hoping that universities are looking at the wider picture of what's gone in the country and for people's circumstances. Because as you say, if people are working in care, they've had a massive amount to deal with over the last year, besides the fact that everybody else has been locked up and the effect that's had on physical and mental health. With mine, so I'm doing law and last summer, most of the courses in first year got just put through on just, and they didn't have to do any exams. Whereas in my course, we still had to do all of ours. So they just transferred the original exam online. Mm. And I just found that unfair that considering the situation, we still had to sit ours. A lot of my friends were key workers. Obviously, you've got to bear in mind that a lot of the employees, some of them will have been in the at-risk groups, which then leaves a gap in staffing, which then a lot of the students were filling because they're not as at risk. But then all this was going on and we still had to do all of ours. So I didn't think that that was fair. I'd say it's a point that it's the nature of the courses and obviously each faculty has their own regulations about what they will do so they take it on a case-by-case basis but I would say it's worth challenging if you think you've been unfairly disadvantaged because of a situation that wasn't within your control that it's worth asking for a review of any grade if you find that you've been penalised because of the things that you had to deal with. What advice would you give to students trying to get work placements or work experience during pandemic? I would say look around because it's given a lot more opportunities speaking as citizen advice, North East Derbyshire. We have been able to offer, and you two are both proof of it, we've been able to offer remote opportunities for volunteering with us. I imagine it will be the same with citizens advice across the country. I know it is because they had a national scheme in partnership with the Open University and suppose that other employers have been able to do similar things. So in terms of the range of opportunities, they might be a lot wider than previous because there's been a lot more homeworking and remote work and you don't need to be physically tied to a location. If you need a practical experience, it has obviously been harder to get that because of needing to be in physical location. So if you were looking at shadowing, we talked about the physical, the practical physics before, but if you needed to do that, that might not have been there for you. So it might be worth checking on what other opportunities are available, getting in touch with institutions that you know are dealing with that sort of field and finding out how you can make up for the lost experience but I think overall there's been a lot more opportunities than not because of the the new technologies that have been not new technologies but the greater use of things like video conferencing to deal with meetings and we're doing this by video conference so I would say have a look at what's out there in the first place talk about what the options are because I think a lot of businesses and people offering placements have had to adapt quite rapidly and they might be more than willing to adapt to how they provide a work placement for you. I think as well like seeing what's maybe not what you would think is directly relevant but you could always gain skills from it so yeah I don't know you said the practical physics one for example you might not be able to get a volunteer role or an internship in practical physics right now but finding something similar or something that you can do remotely it will still build your skills up enough yeah to yeah good definitely it is widening what you're looking at and not looking specifically thinking I'm doing a particle physics course therefore I can only do experience in particle physics you think about what do you want to do for a career later on what other skills you might need because there will be personal skills that you gather we always say that volunteering for citizens advice gives you a wide range of different skills and talking to other volunteers and staff members meeting the public if you're in a public facing role so yeah look around and try and think treat it as an opportunity rather than as a missed opportunity really it's the best advice I can give yeah definitely 
if I just say thank you to Chelsea and Holly for joining us this week then. If you've any questions, you can contact us on soundadvice at nedcab.org.uk if you want any issues raising in our next podcast. But until next time, thank you.